Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. You and Don are frighteningly similar. It just, mm. it's scary. The crap you two believe. <laughs> I gotta live, it's like an echo chamber. <laughs> I gotta deal with it every day in real life for 40 years with you. Mm. And every day in real life for 60 years with him. Mm. And yeah. it's just awful. Because I gotta hear him say, you know... They could just have more shots on the road. I'm like, <laughs> shut up! Shoot it more. Yeah, shut shoot. up, Tony! <laughs> yeah. This is General George Washington, and you're listening to the Tony Kornheiser. They should take more shots on the road. That's a fair point. They should. It'd be great. And I got some things to say. I, I didn't watch the game last night. I didn't really care. I watched a quarter of it. I didn't. Didn't. Sorry about How that. dare you silence? Yeah, Sorry it that. didn't. Did you watch? I didn't watch any, so we were watching the finality of the Holiday Baking Championship. I want to get to that. I want to get to that. I want to get to that. Are we doing spoilers or no? No. No, we are not doing... I'm going to get to that. Okay. I'm going to get to that. Because I wanted to say that the reason I'm not talking about the game is because once again, and the schedule... I did this for three years. The schedule is set in stone in April... You think you would have thought Green Bay Packers Rams. Rams? You would have thought it's a winner. You can't flex if you go back. Cannot take that game away and put another game in, and so it becomes a four and nine team against the six and eight team. And even though Aaron Rodgers is great to watch and the Rams uniforms are still cool, yeah, it doesn't mean much if anything at all. So if you're circling a game for a delayed bar mitzvah present? Like Chuck Todd. But Chuck Todd sent me a, a picture of <laughs> himself leap? with a big mask on, and he said, this is for warmth. <laughs> you know, they were out there. And, and I think Chuck was very happy uh, to go. And, and look, Chuck had Miami. Chuck had Miami over Buffalo. All people thought he was the dumbest guy in the world. Chuck had Miami. So I'm not going to go bowl. into that and the ramifications of that game. There are three <laughs> things I want to talk about, one very briefly. One is I want to thank Jolene Wojcik because she sent us two bottles of salted caramel whiskey. One for me and one for Michael. And Michael has refused to take his home. No, I'm sharing it with mom. Uh, I was well, sort of, Jolene, okay. I was looking forward to a saved seat uh, just outside the 18th green. <laughs> okay. All right. So, but Do thank you. Instead. We'll open this and we'll see what it's like. Now there's two other things. Dad was what? very confused because the, 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 the marketing has down. the label upside down. It's upside down. So he was trying to read it sideways until he realized he could just turn it upside, upside down. down and I could do oh, it. It's works. very weird. It's, it's very weird. Two things I want to talk about. First, we'll talk about what Michael mentioned. Um, on the Food Channel, on the Food Network, there was the culmination of a baking um, thing. I don't know, you know. Competition. Baking, baking Everything started with Simon Cowell. Everything started with American Idol. Everything. All programming in the last 20 years basically started with Simon Cowell, who, however much money he has made, it's not enough. It's like Michael Jordan with Nike. It doesn't matter what you give him. It's not enough. Ride home with the rundown. Yeah, ride yep. home with right. the rundown. Yep. Yeah. So why don't you talk about who was on this show and what happened? Well, well, for us, I think they, they might have started with eight or ten competitors. And I thought it was 12. 12. Okay, there, there, there's the Holiday Baking Championship on the Food Network. I think this is its eighth season. And this and is a show Jesse Palmer is on. Yeah. He hosts. A pro quarterback. That's right. Jesse Palmer is Delivering on. Delivering the puns. Yeah. Uh, and so this is a mix of... Home chefs, home bakers. I, I think more, more recently, you'd look at the 
the great British baking off uh, as sort of the the pipeline for this type of show. But it's it's a mix of home chefs, uh, professional pastry makers. And we were watching this because one of the competitors we found out was uh, pastry chef Drew Tevis of Sodel Concepts of Rehoboth Beach, Delaware, a dear friend of my sister Liz, a friend of the family, and the baker of my wedding cake. That's right. A uh, slice of that may still be in his freezer. We confirmed this in November. <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, your wedding cake, and he won! He won? He went all the way through. Now, he knew this. Of course, you, you're sworn to secrecy. They probably take the title away from oh, you. Oh, yeah. But he won. Oh, that's I, fantastic. I, that's... So as we've been watching, I've been so interested about, because it all comes down to the editing as to what they, how they want to try and front the, you know, is the, is the, the front runner, did they make a mistake early? Are they going to be saved in the end? Drew, from the start, had the best tasting food. Sometimes it did not look as, uh, as sort of... Uh, delicate as you might want for a baking championship but that's also somebody who's mostly doing uh you know restaurant work and event work you assume where you're going i'm going for taste i'm not necessarily trying to get 300 dishes out that look like they've were you know you're not you're not just gonna look at it at some point you're gonna eat it it. and it was someone who seemed to understand the rules which is step one make it taste good and then from there we can clean it up i'm baking here the tart that he made it was like a a margarita (laughs) with these yeah I'm not smoking inside. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah the, the tart that he made that was like a margarita flavored with agave plants was beautiful. So it's like, I'm a pro. You want me to show up? Here we go. Sodell, I believe, stands for Southern Delaware. And it's a series of restaurants, I assume. Now, he and, he and Elizabeth were very, very close. They worked together for years. And Elizabeth always said, he's great. He's just great. And he won this thing. That's fantastic. Now, I don't know how many people on the street would recognize him. You know, the people that watch the Food Network sure. are going to know who he is. That's the best kind of celebrity. A certain number of people <laughs> recognize you, but and you can it. go out and have dinner. Right. Yeah. yeah, But that fits into the profile of Rehoboth, where it's a destination foodie town. Yeah. Uh, he has a signature uh, hairdo. Yes, he and does. What you never know about somebody like that, because he's, he's gregarious, he's wonderful to be around, but he... He lights up the TV screen, and you could see this with his relationship with Carla Hall, one of the one of the judges there. And then he become part of the ecosystem of the Food Network. I would bring him on that's, for everything. That's what I asked he's su- Carol. He's such this a good morning. advocate. Carol for the told other me this morning that he had won, and I said, "Well, what is the future? Would he become a that's, judge? Would he be on the you know a staple on the show. Food Network? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't yeah, know. Or, or like the dessert specials for any other show that you're going to bring on. Yep. You know, a challenge, <laughs> a, a, a dessert challenge, and we bringing on Drew." It's so, I mean, it's, it was, I didn't watch the show, of course. I didn't watch it because all I do is watch sports. But I was thrilled to find out, and I'm glad you guys watched so, it. What was so great is, and again, this comes down to TV magic Major and the editing. wedding cake. They've had a couple of uh, blunders because you don't necessarily know how a challenge is going to work. Let's say I, I, I want you to do something in two hours, but the type of frosting or the glaze or the piping really can't set in that amount of time. He would be the one who would go on and defend the other uh, con- com- competitors. That's saying, what Carol said. He was hey, so this, kind to everyone. Yeah, this did not work, and here's why. Or this didn't work on TV. This is why we had to change the snowman challenge where it didn't necessarily have to meet a height requirement. So he just had a wider view of competition in TV. I just thought that was really cool. Okay, that was one thing I wanted to talk about. The next thing I wanted to talk about was my dog who was sitting on her chair. She's laying down right now. She's tired, and the reason she's tired, she had a very busy day yesterday. In the morning, as we were walking back home, she was sniffing around in a, not at the front yard, but the little area past the sidewalk, a little shrubbery area. Mm -hmm. 
And she came up, she was really sniffing around. She came up with a big bone in her mouth. The tree I don't know box who, area. Hmm? Like the tree box area. The, yeah, it, it's, it was flocks, I think is what they call oh, this kind flocks. of, you know, um, growth. Was the bone human? No, I don't know in if it origin? was human. I don't know if it was human, but it was pretty big. How close were you so, to Rock Creek Park? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I did what, <laughs> what a dog owner is supposed to do. I stuck my hands in her mouth to right. try to pry <laughs> open her mouth yep. to take the bone. And she would not let me do it. Oh, she would. Ooh. I mean, she's stronger than I am. Save the bone for Henry Jones. Because Henry don't eat no meat. So <laughs> I tried and tried and tried, and then I missed and sort of fell away. And she ran away. She yanked free from me with the leash and just laughed at me. <laughs> And turned around time after time and gnawed on the bone and swallowed the bone. Oh, oh geez. Swallowed the bone. This can't be good. Uh, no. When a dog swallows a bone, it can't be good. And I thought that was it for the day. I <laughs> thought that was the worst thing that would happen. Chapter one. And then oh. I found out later in the day, and she'd never done this before, what I'm going to describe. There, the butter was out. It was on top of the counter. And I had used the butter for something. There was an, a full stick of butter, except for one thirty-second, which I just used to put on a piece of toast. I feel like I know where this is heading. The covered and, dish? Uncovered. It was uncovered. The cover was next to it, but it was uncovered. It's a beautiful cover. And then about an hour later, yep. I noticed... The entire stick of butter was gone. And I said to Carol, did you use the butter? <laughs> did, you use, goes, no. did you use the whole stick of she butter? She said, no. The recipe called for six tablespoons. <laughs> the dog had never done this. We never saw the dog with her paws on the counter or her paws on a table. She's disinterested in people food because she's never been given people food. And she ate the entire stick of butter. Well, and I mentioned that to you, and you did some research. And what did your research tell you? Uh, well, the research said it's not fatal, um, yeah. but it can bone and butter. The B and B. Yeah. Well, yeah. If you're gonna have bones, you gotta have butter with you the bones, have something right? To, you gotta have yeah. something to ease it down. <laughs> exactly. But it said uh, the next couple of days could be interesting with her digestive system. Diarrhea. It said. Yes. Mm. Yes. That, they said that's at the worst. Now, what kind of butter are we dealing with? This is a Lando Lakes Lando salted, Lakes. unsalted. Mm, I would Lando have gone gold. Yeah. Lando Lakes, thick mm. butter. But you didn't see the crime. Didn't see the crime. The so, butter so, is gone. It's not clear the right. dog I'm ate the butter. I'm adding one and one. Right. All right. All right. I'm I think this to. is retaliatory as, from when we came over for the first night of Hanukkah and she saw the boys getting into the butter for their bagel. Maybe that's it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Maybe she, the idea she's a very smart dog. Yes. Very smart. Now, Maggie would do this sort of thing constantly all the time. But right? She was a bird dog. Constantly. She, constantly. She liked the game. My original dog, my original dog, the Puna, did an incredible thing when I was about seven years old. The Puna went into a cabinet, took out a box of walnuts and a box of brownies, unmade brownies, really? and ate them both. Sure. <laughs> ate them both. Made the mix in the stomach. Yeah. The Puna did that. But this dog. Adding the nuts really just to, yeah. to, had never to done refine that. palate. Yeah. Well, there's a reckoning <laughs> for me. At four o'clock in the morning, oh, no. yeah. she's right by my head mm. and she's whining. And there's only one thing that this whining means. Go, only one thing. Go, I got to get out of here. <laughs> right. I, I, time I, to go. I got to get out of here now. <laughs> and I knew that it was time to go. So I put on some clothes. And at first I just let her loose in the backyard. 
That wasn't cutting it. She didn't want that. Routine. She wanted to be put on a leash and taken. So she was, and she went, I don't know, 80 feet from the house and had bad stuff mm. and all yellow. Ugh. Now, hey. proof for people yeah, like Chris. Right. Well, I was right. just saying, don't, don't, let's not indict <laughs> right. the dog, but yes, that's and strong. Then, it feels pretty at damaging. At 6.30, yes. she went out at her regular time and did it again. Yeah. So Carol cooked rice. Rice is a binding food, and we gave her some rice. Do we need the pumpkin yet, or is the, is the rice going to We don't be have enough? any pumpkin. I don't know that we have pumpkin. Pumpkin also is binding. She's awoken. Well. She's, she's been told. So She was very joyful when she came, you know. She, she yes. gave well, me then, a very good greeting. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Yeah, she seemed, seemed fine. Could you smell I the, don't think she's on fine. She's just got just diarrhea. Smell the butter on her breath. Yeah, so. I, I thought it was a little out of line that you gave her another stick of butter. Well, I just, it's our usual greeting. I didn't know. I didn't know about the previous butter. So she'd she never. She's got an appetite for it. She'd never done this. That you know she, of. Well, you're through no. the looking glass now. Yeah. I mean, now you got to watch everything. Yeah. Can't put anything uncovered up on yeah. the uh, on the countertops. Yeah. Bad. Very bad. <laughs> Have you checked your wallet? Um, no, I haven't. Had $100. Yeah. No, she starts with the small bills. <laughs> just want to be obvious, right? Yeah, so you don't want to be, you don't, yeah. you want to be able to covet that for a while and just keep working the back channel of the ones and the Remember fives. Remember you had to put the brick on the trash can with Maggie? <laughs> yeah. So. You had to close the, the, the refrigerator door, right? And like it. lock it. Had to put a lock on it. Because she would open the refrigerator. Opened it with her nose. <laughs> really? She opened it. That's a with smart her dog. Nose. Just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. This was, I mean, imagine my feeling when I actually say to Carol, did you use, did you use the butter? I mean, that's a <laughs> lot of butter. Did you, did you, you use the full stick to butter your bagel? Just, <laughs> did you use the butter? Because if not, I think the dog ate it. I think the dog ate it. Anyway, I'm looking at her. Yeah. We'll take a break. When we come back, Brian Windhorst joins us. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening, You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. These are, and this is, the Virginia Coalition. They're playing at the historic Howard Theater on December 22nd, which is Thursday. It's in two days. I know that date. While the tables and booths are sold out, there are plenty of dance floor tickets available. This is a song called Weekend in L.A. It's a brand new song about the sometimes terrible yet seductive vibe of that town. These are sent to us by Steve Dawson, who I assume is a member of the band, and he sent us stuff before. Virginia Coalition, very good. They play in Brian Windows. We haven't talked to Brian in a while. Um, I will reveal my prejudice that I don't really check in to the NBA season, which Brian covers so well, until Christmas. I don't, which leads me to my first question, which is why don't they start on Christmas? They seem to be buried by football, and this year buried by the World Cup, why don't they start on Christmas? Now they're going to get buried on Christmas, too, because the way Christmas falls on a weekend, yeah. the NFL has three games, 
Yeah. And the their marquee day is going to get snowed under by NFL ratings. You know, this was this will lead Wilbon the- to complain, as you know. Wilbon will say the NFL, the NFL, and then he'll talk rhapsodically about the NBA. But go ahead. Well, you know, the alpha male, the big dog gets the spoils. Um, yeah. You know, the NBA, this has been talked about for for years, and people thought about this. Uh, you know, maybe the NBA should reduce its season and start yeah. around Christmas. And yeah. then a couple of years ago, coming out of the COVID year, they did start at Christmas. They started, I think, the first games were December 23rd. And then, you know, the idea was, you know, the big buildup in the first week would be the Christmas Day game. Right. And Tony, it didn't, it, it hurt. The, the oh. league's ratings were at an all time worst. Oh. And when they went back to the normal schedule, it increased. Having said that, you are right. A, a huge section of the casual sports fans do not pay attention to the NBA in November and December. No. And no. always has been thus. Yeah. Yet, there were 10 games last night or something. And the players played in them, and they all got their paychecks from them. And so uh, onward we go. Now, I mean, my, my point would be that there are these two television networks, Turner and ESPN, that are spending unbelievable gobs of money on the NBA and would continue to do so because they need programming, you know, and it's successful for them. And you wouldn't have to have an 82-game schedule when – you know, there's. I'm sure you get the same sense that there's a Tuesday night game, San Antonio, and even if it's San Antonio and say Philadelphia, it's a Tuesday night game, and there's going to be a Thursday night game, and there just was a Sunday game, and you just go, really? I don't really care. And I wonder if you sense that or if that's just me. No, you're right, but let me just tell you something about the NBA. So yeah. many NBA games, not all, but many, and I would even go so far as to say the average NBA game over the course of the regular season sort of goes through the motions for three quarters. Yeah. And then many games end up getting decided in the fourth quarter. The players play much harder. Uh, there's a lot, you know, you see a lot more things happen in the fourth quarter. It's a much higher level of play. It's also the worst quarter for the teams in terms of revenue. The teams will really? all tell you that the fourth quarter is all expenses that, you know, they have to stop selling beer at the end of the third oh. quarter. People have already eaten their dinner. And so basically I didn't know that. the first three quarters are to pay the bills and the fourth quarter is for the competition. And essentially that's the way the NBA season goes. The first three quarters are to pay the bills and the fourth quarter is for the competition. Although the playoffs make a lot of money for teams, but essentially that's a lot of the way it goes. You play the game on Tuesday in San Antonio because you are getting season ticket holders and your local TV money and all that stuff. And that helps pay everybody's $30 million salary. And then when it comes down to when the competition really matters, they turn on the show and that is the NBA. This is so wonderful. That's an explanation I've never heard before. Cause all I get from Mike is I went to this game the other night. Everybody's talking about basketball. I said, well, you <laughs> went to a basketball game. Yeah, sure. No, everybody's talking about it. <laughs> so this leads me to this, this question, and I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but I suspect you have. What baseball has done is they have hired Theo Epstein, the smartest guy in the room, 
And they've said, we got a problem here. We're not doing as well as we'd like to do. We may be regressing. We got a great game, but no one is responding to it. Can you help us with some changes? And Theo Epstein has come up with these changes. They'll be instituted, some of them, next year. I hope they're great. Is there a Theo Epstein in basketball? And the reason I bring this up is because I have become convinced, Brian, and I've watched pro basketball my entire life because it basically started when I was born, that the players are too good for the court now. They're too good for the dimensions of the court. People say they don't play defense. They do play defense. They're too good now. And the referees allow them to play in such a way that they discourage defense, which happens in most sports. Is there a Theo Epstein who will look at this? Well, here we go again with we're going to cross uh, comparisons here. You are aware that we have a heavy inflation in the country right now, and the Fed is raising interest rates to calm down the inflation. Well, the NBA is kind of doing the same thing. How's this for my TED Talk? Yeah. Um, (laughs) Scoring is absolutely wild. Yes. Uh, We are routinely seeing uh, teams score 130, 140 points. Uh, 150-point games are becoming more and more commonplace. I mean, that was a once-in-three, four-, five-year situation very recently. And so to try to curb this inflation, the NBA league office is trying to raise interest rates by starting to call traveling and carrying. Yes, yes. We talked about that the other week, yes. And it's driving the players crazy because they have gotten used to, some of them their whole careers, absolutely crazily traveling. (laughs) Four steps, Um, yes. I mean, it's it's not so much. I think fans react to when they see a guy go down the lane and not dribble, and of course that happens. But where it's crazy is when the players are starting their moves, where they're able to like you know change their pivot feet when they're starting their moves, and their defender has no idea where they're going, and the carrying of the ball. I mean, these point guards are are masters, but they also, by the letter of the law, carry it like. 70% of the time. So the attempt here is to, yes, of course, Tony. I mean, I've heard people over the years talk about, well, the court needs to be widened. Or the basket well, needs to be raised, maybe. Well, I haven't heard that one. Hmm. The, the widening of the court is an interesting concept. However, economically it fails because the most valuable seats are next to the court and you start taking out rows that's not going to fly so in the interim what they can control is trying to call more violations to give the defense a chance and that's what they're attempting to do but i will also tell you this that again historically in the nba every year they have certain goals for officials and they call them for a couple of months and then yeah. we get into the playoffs, and, and it's hand-to-hand combat, and that's the way it goes. Yeah. I got another question. How come not a single player criticized Kyrie Irving and they all criticized Robert Sarver? How come? How come this nobody is, had enough courage to say, eh, this was not great? This is a little bit dicey for somebody like me to answer, Tony. Um, oh, then I'll take it off the table. But I'll, but I'll just say that... Um, there are certain issues that players have demonstrated uh, to be very passionate about when it comes to uh, being progressive in the country and other issues they haven't shown the same level of aggression, you know, interest in being progressive about. Yeah. And that's, and so, that's a fair answer. Yeah. I feel that way yeah. about Adam Silver too. And I've said that about Adam Silver, you know, cause I can say pretty much what I want. 
and Adam Silver <laughs> right. doesn't even listen, so it doesn't really matter. It just struck me as, you know, as noticeable, very noticeable. I do think it's something that should be noticed. Yeah. Um, definitely. Okay. Um, I wanted to ask about two teams, which were surprising to me. I don't want to keep you forever, but I oh, looked at the standings, and there are three or four teams that are sort of way out there in front, and they'll come back to the pack at some point. Like Boston just lost twice to Orlando. Orlando's a That's joke. Right. So, I mean, people come back to the pack. But the Knicks, awful team, 17 and 13. Sacramento, for decades, an awful team, 16 and 12. Do they have it figured out? And if they do, how? Well, it's a challenging day to ask about Sacramento because they just lost at home last night to Charlotte, oh, okay. who is probably the most disappointing organization over the last decade. Although maybe as a Knicks fan, you would argue oh, that. Um, you know, but Sacramento, you know, they have a new coach in Mike Brown and they, he's they a good a, coach. He's good. Yes. I mean, I've known Mike for 15 years. I think a lot of him and he has routinely made his teams better. I don't know if he's going to challenge Phil Jackson as the greatest coach of all time, but he's made his teams better. Uh, He's pretty much been in the playoffs almost every year he's coached in the NBA. But um, they made a trade last year, Tony, that was they've been just relentlessly mocked for because they traded Tyrese Halliburton, who is one of the better young guards. Ah, he league. scores leading, a lot of points, yeah. Yeah, he's leading the league in assists. People love him. Uh, they traded him for uh, Demontis Sabonis, a big man, and they said, this is a guard league now. They traded for a big man who doesn't defend, and not only that, he's only a power forward. He's not a, he's not a center. And that trade has worked out really, really well for them, even though to this day people think that they totally botched it. Um, but the Knicks, I think your listenership may be a little bit more than that. So more interested in that, I should say. Something – you don't always see this in the NBA, and it's one of the things that uh, – you hear people like lament coaching decisions and stuff, and sometimes I kind of roll my eyes and say, "Well, what? You want the coach to play this eleventh man, and all of a sudden the team is going to change?" I, and that never happens. But Tom Thibodeau basically started playing two players that he wasn't playing: Quentin Grimes and Deuce uh, McBride. And it isn't just about those two players. But the Knicks were one of the worst defensive teams in the league, which I know had to drive Thibodeau crazy. Yeah, that's what he plays for, defense, yeah. And they used and they were at one point were giving up historic amounts of three pointers. And you know, this game is very largely a three point game now, and if you get clobbered in the three point category, it's very difficult to win. And those two guys are better defensive players, and he still doesn't play McBride the amount of minutes that uh, the Knicks fans want. But he is undefeated. <laughs> They're undefeated this year when he plays 15 minutes or more. Wow. I think they won over the weekend. I think he played 13 minutes and they won. So it's, it's, but, but Quentin Grimes and McAllister playing on the perimeter have completely changed the Knicks' perimeter defense. And it's not just them. They've inspired change. But now all of a sudden the Knicks are defending the three and um, it's given them a better chance, and they have some good offensive players. Tony, they have three guys making $100 million, or at least on $100 million contracts, um, R.J. Barrett, uh, Jalen Brunson, and Julius Randle. None of them are true 
stars. I mean, they're, they're standouts. You know, Brunson has a case to make the all-star team. I don't know if he will. But they're good, not great players. And that's kind of been the Knicks, is that they've had a lot of games where they've been good, not great, and then they lose it in the end. Well, that defensive change, there was just that little thing that Thibodeau did, made their defense a little bit better, and now all of a sudden they're winning. And they're, having, they're making comeback wins. And um, New York, Tony, New York is the center of the basketball world. Yes. The Nets have won 10 of 11. The Knicks have won yeah. seven in a row. It hasn't been this way in the 20 years I've covered the NBA. It's no, amazing. Right. No, it, it, and I've learned more today about the NBA than I have in years uh, because, <laughs> because all they ever ask us to do on the PTI show, all they ever ask us to, can you talk about the Lakers uh, and that Golden State's not winning on the road? And I go, uh, aren't, aren't you bored with this? You know, but that's all we do. Lakers and Golden State, and I mean it's Mike crazy, would do more. It? It's crazy. Yeah, Mike would would do. Mike would break down every single team in the league. But they're you know the larger questions. That's interesting about the Knicks. Well, who do the Knicks love? Over you know, over a long period of time, the Knicks love quirky guys. They don't. Yes, they loved Willis Reed and Walt Frazier, but they really loved Mike Reardon. Like in that period of time, they really love John Starks. I was going to say Starks in that yep. period of time. And if you're telling me that these kids come out and they defend, they are going to love that. They are a pretty sophisticated crowd, even though the owner has just killed it's, the team. I, you you yeah, agree I, with that, right? They're sophisticated. Jim Dolan is oh, doesn't get the, the the venom he probably he, deserves. He's the worst. Run that team. He's another guy but, who inherited a team. This is like Jim Irsay. You inherited a team, and you think, what's the great line? You're born on third base, and you think you hit a triple. What, are you kidding me? Dolan and Ursay are that way, don't you think, Brian? Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm only a casual observer of the NFL. I, I will take your word for oh, that. But Ursay, I have read that. You know. yeah. I just know that, you know, this is my 20th year covering the NBA. So 2003, I come bouncing in and go to Madison Square Garden for the first time. And I, you know, I heard all these stories about it. Oh, my God, the garden, the garden, the garden. Yeah. And I was kind of like, that's it? But I got to tell you, that isn't it. <laughs> 20 years in, yeah. it's an, I now can say it's an amazing place to watch a game. They've renovated the building since then. They've gotten rid of most of the rats, and it's much nicer <laughs> place to watch a game. And the fans there are great, and the, the, the sensibility of the New York fan is terrific, and it's a great place to watch a game. And when the Knicks are good, which hasn't happened very often, no. it's amazing to be in there when the Knicks are good. And like right now, Jalen, like last year, Tony, some of the folks that they had playing point guard. You know, I don't want to insult anybody on on mass media, but it was really a a kind of a, a bleep show yeah. with what they were running no, out I there. Agree. So they went out and spent $100 million on, a, on a real NBA point guard, and it makes a big difference. And at some point, Tony, and I've been saying this for four or five years now, and I've never been right, and I don't know what to say, at some point a superstar player is going to go into his team and say, trade me to the New York Knicks nowhere else. And the Knicks are sitting there with 11 tradable first-round picks, which is what you have to have to trade for a star player. And I've been waiting for it and waiting for it and waiting for it, and I've thought there have been other guys that would happen. I thought there were guys the Knicks would do the deal for, yeah. and it hasn't happened. But I, 
all of my knowledge and sensibility and understanding about the NBA, at some point, somebody is going to want to is going to understand how valuable it will be to be a great player on the New York Knicks, and they're going to force their way there, and it's going to be a game changer for them. But I guess I can't guarantee it, but. I feel like it's, it's going to happen at some point. That's so interesting to me, and I will say this as a native New Yorker. It's not Brooklyn. It's not. It's like it's not the Mets. It's not the Jets. It's the Giants. It's the Yankees. It's the Knicks. That's where all the real idolatry comes from. It really is. I mean, I, I've seen this you my whole life. You know Tony? You hmm? know, one of the reasons why the Lakers are all over uh, ESPN is because of the analytics. No matter what anybody wants to say, the ESPN is responding to what the viewers tell them mm-hmm. that they tell mm-hmm. us that they want. That's right. And, you know, the Lakers go to any city in the, in the country, except really for New York, but even when they're in Brooklyn. And the, the crowd is one quarter to half to two thirds Laker fans. And it's because the Lakers are the Cowboys, That's they right. are a massive brand. But the Nets, we have found that the Nets are more popular outside of New York than they are in New York. They're not popular in New York. No, they're not. They're not. It's a, it's a second borough. It's a second deal. No, it's, it's true. Um, Monday Night Football a long time ago, <clears throat> they used to say to us, well, we're giving you Jets games. Jets games didn't rate. It didn't matter if they were good. Giants games. You know, that's just the way it is. Brian, thanks so much. Talk soon, thanks, I hope. Tony. Brian Windhorse is great. Yeah, you too. He's great. Love Brian Windhorse. We'll take a break. Uh, Bob Ryan, when we come back. Bob Ryan, I'm Tony Kornheiser. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews or coverage of all the biggest stories in the nba our new show is the place to be five days a week download and follow beyond the arc on apple podcasts spotify and wherever you get your favorite podcasts you're listening to the tony kornheiser show the tony kornheiser show this is virginia coalition for the second time today They will be appearing on Thursday night at the historic Howard Theater in Washington, D.C. This is called By and By. This is a good band. We've played them before. Very good. This is a real band. Yes. Kids, this is a real band, Virginia Coalition. Michael, if bands like Virginia Coalition want to send us their original music, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at TonyCornizerShow.com. And they play in the quintessential American sports writer, Bob Ryan. And, you know, Bob Ryan's name comes up on the set of PTI... Every single time we talk about hockey, every single time, because Wilbon is enraged that anyone could think that someone other than Wayne Gretzky might be, <laughs> might be the greatest hockey player of all time. Wilbon wants them put in jail first, then deported second. And they, oh, I'm sorry, they have to shut up first. <laughs> and so I often tease him by saying, you know what? Uh, you know, the best player ever, Bobby Orr, right? Don't you say that all the time? <laughs> but, Bob Ryan, you do say that. You do say that. And, and, and explain it. Well, uh, taking zero away from Wayne Gretzky's ability to put the puck in the net or to create an opportunity for someone else, he's the greatest offensive machine in hockey history. 
period. No one can deny that. He, he stands, uh, he, he's the greatest. Uh, no one ever talked about whether he ever, ever, ever back-checked. No one ever talks about whether he ever uh, uh, checked anybody. Uh, in a game in which hitting and being hit is endemic, he was never hit or, being, or, or, or offered or hit anybody else. Right. So that's number one. Uh, I mean, he's, he's the greatest offensive machine. There's much more to the game. And Bobby Orr was the greatest player of all time, even though his last game was 46 years ago. And uh, he, he completely revolutionized the concept of what enough, a defensive con- defenseman could be. Uh, he was winning eight Norris trophies while, while scoring 100 points, which uh, would people today would just have to just sit there and, and wait a minute. No, that didn't happen, right? No, it right. did happen, folks. Right. Right. Okay, so I mean that's a, look. I'm, I know it's funny. I, you know, I'm a baseball and basketball guy first and foremost. But the one conviction that I hold the, the, the strongest is what the one we just discussed. So it's interesting, and I mentioned this the other day on this show that um, Wilbon and I were talking about who was who in the hierarchy of hockey. And my friend David Israel weighed in, and he said, Bobby Orr is Willie Mays. Because he can beat you on offense and he can beat you on defense. And so if you think Willie Mays is the best player you ever saw, you ought to think that Bobby Orr is the best player you ever saw. You would concur with that, right? That's a wonderful analogy, which I've never thought of in my life. And uh, and, and and he described it perfectly. I mean, here's a guy who wins, once again, I'll repeat, eight Norris trophies. And and, uh, most of the time, uh, once he got rolling in his third year or so, uh, he uh, was scoring 100 points a game, uh, a a year. So that doesn't happen. Great. uh, Well, David hit hit that one right. No, David's got that. What he said was that Gretzky was Aaron and Ruth. But you have to understand that Orr was Mace. He's... I mean, I don't know. It's Steph Curry, maybe. You know, uh, that, that's a better analogy. Okay. All right. Let me move off this to the thing I should have led with, which was, can you believe that play? <laughs> can you believe that play? I, what? Is, I, what? My immediate, you know, of course, uh, my immediate reaction, and I did tweet it, was, was this is the proof, folks, the proof. Never say never that you've ever seen. You always think you've seen everything. You know. Now we've seen a couple of teams this year in football. There was that craziness at the end of that 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 game when uh, with the fumbled uh, snap and then in the end zone and then yeah. you know. Then, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that that was crazy and that war that was that was a one off. We've never seen any juxtaposition like that. Okay. So that's that's a fact. Uh, then the, no no it, it, we've never seen anything like it. Um, and to have it, and then to have it. If it happened, yeah. Well, it would only happen at the end of a game because it's a. That's right. You know, I don't know whether. Um, I don't know what was going on in the mind of Jacoby Myers. He obviously had a brain f, and and uh, you know. But no, we've never seen anything like that. And and uh, uh, that that is a one-off. That a game has never ended like that that we know of. If anyone can produce any proof of it, otherwise, I'll, I'll, I want to hear it. It was an unbelievable two days with the Indianapolis Colts game, which you'd never seen. And then this is the worst play ever made. And, uh, you know, I don't know if the Patriots are punitive on any level. Maybe they are. Can Jacoby Myers, I don't think they would do anything to him this year. No. Do you think he stays with the team for next year? Oh, I think that. No, I, I bet. I actually, I bet they circle the wagons on the guy. Okay. Assuming he's popular to start with. Assuming right. there's no negativity surrounding him in the, in the locker room to start with, which I've never heard. I've certainly never. There's never been no public references to that. Uh, I think they'll circle the wagons. And he did respond. He fessed up. He did. Uh, and, and, and so did Mac Jones from not being able to tackle mm-hmm. Chandler Jones. He fessed up. You know who hasn't fessed up? The mentor. Yeah, Bill Belichick. Yeah. He, he had a four-minute 
post-game, in which he was his surly self. Yeah, you get. You know, you, what can you say with this guy? We, we're stuck with the, the reality that he, he won the six rings and, and he's he, you know, we, and all that. But boy, this, this boorishness is, is just getting a big, a little bit intolerable. That was always my feeling years back. Is there any sense? I mean, it's an inevitable thing that we do that we say, okay, Brady and Belichick are not together. Who is succeeding more? Well, clearly Brady succeeded yeah. more because he won a Super Bowl. <laughs> Um, yep. But he is regressing to the mean. Uh, very clearly, he sails it, he bounces it. If he doesn't have a two-minute drill in him, he doesn't do much. But I wonder about the Patriots. I mean, they've had, you know, they've had three years. They've had Cam Newton for a year. They tried. He was a great player at one point, not with the Patriots. Mac Jones was promising at least. He won the same national championship that Jalen Hurts and Tua Tungavailoa won. Is there any sense that the Patriots are not making progress, Bob? Oh, of course, and and uh, it, it, they're they're stagnant now. They are they are they're they're a, a middle of the road um, lot team. There's there's yeah. nothing special about them, and they're they're not the most awful team. They still have a a defense that can keep you in games. They, their offense is, is is bad. It's pathetic, and uh, the the only bright spot on the entire offense is Ramondre Stevenson, who does that. He's yeah. he's a hard running kid. He's a he, he's the offense. And other than that, no. Um, there's lots of angst around here. Now, people, no one should feel sorry for the fans of the Patriots, you know, after the, the 21st century that they've experienced. We all understand it. This is reality now, finally. It, it, but, no, they are, uh, they're, they're just a, an ordinary, uh, you know, in NFL, if, if that. You know what? Their record is perfect. It's exactly what they've done. They're 7-7, seven and, seven, and, and, and that's, that's exactly the record that they've heard. Yeah, they slog along in second gear. A lot of people think that Brady should come back for a year. I think that uh, would be dreadful. Ah. Uh. Right, dreadful. What, right? A, what, a, how, what, what is the matter with this? That, that would be <laughs> bad for everybody. Yeah, that's what I think. Number one, because he, he wouldn't be able to live, do anything for him. And it would, you know, there's no point. No, he's not coming back here. I promise you that. That would be good to know. Now, let me shift gears. The Celtics, I believe, have either the first or second best record in the NBA, even though they lost twice to Orlando, which is unthinkable. But I wonder about this. The Celtics had this volcanic thing happen right before they were going to start the season. They got yep. rid of the coach and brought in one of the assistants who nobody had ever heard of outside of Boston, and many in Boston didn't know his name, and they're sailing along. Can you explain that? Yes. Um, Joe Mazzulla is well-known in the NBA community. <clears throat> he was, in fact, interviewed as well as, uh, as well as Will Hardy for the Utah job, Will Hardy, another Celtic assistant who got that job. Uh, Missoula is, is, is a, was a, a assistant coach on the rise. Now, the, uh, you know, he, he's well known in the college community too, in West Virginia, and all that. Now, um, the, the funny thing is, though, in the NBA, there's an assistant coach hierarchy in which who gets to sit and uh, determining, determining who gets to sit on the bench and yeah. who sits in the second, second row. Second row, yeah. He was a second row guy, oh. and and. Yet the league, he's no secret in the league. He coached in the summer league, uh, you know, a couple of years ago. Um, he's young. He's a prodigy. He's 34. Um, let me tell you this, Tony. The day that the uh, news broke, the first public endorsement of him was from Jason Tatum. Now, that's a good sign for the, yes. you know, when you're that's best player. player. That came out right away. Jason Tatum gave, gave him his uh, imprimatur. So that was good. Um, no, the, he's highly thought of, and... Um, yeah, so it, but they got off to an incredible start. 
and it was incredible because no one thought it was going to be that good. And the, the one variable, though, and this is what, uh, you know, now you're coming into my wheelhouse, they were shooting threes at an exceptionally good rate. Right. And the last four games, they haven't hit 30% on threes. They were 12 for 47 in their second, in their second loss to Orlando. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a, is this going to be a case for them of live by the three, die by the three? Uh, they better go to a plan B, I think. Now, I think they have the wherewithal to do that, but they've got to you know, be able to shift gears a little bit quicker in games to realize that, hey, today, today's one of those nights. Bobby, the Udoka thing remains mysterious around the country. There yes. are, you know, all of these whispers about what happened, and, and nobody seems to be delving back in it. But he, in his first year as a coach, went to the NBA Finals. He's got to be really, really good. Does he have a future in the league, and if so, when? And where? Uh, that's going to be interesting because uh, it, it, it might depend on whatever uh, level of contrition, if you will, that he will display. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, no, it's not this. It, it's known that he was he had he he, he had a, da- a dalliance with a female mm-hmm. in the in the office. Period. Uh, that died. So that uh, you know, in any workplace, uh, we all know that that uh, you know can be a very viable toxic thing. Okay, uh, so. Uh, I, what's going to happen there? Uh, you know, and, and, and the aftermath is his longtime partner has left him near along, uh, and uh, you know his life is a, his personal life is a bit uh, in dis- disarray mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Um, he he was though so highly thought of. It's, it, it, that it's interesting. Players get chances. We know that. Players, you know, with arrest records get chances. We know that. Uh, a, a coach who did this, he didn't break. You know, he he yeah, he may have he may have been. A technical adulterer, since he was not married to Nia Long, even though they were together for eleven years, but uh, but that isn't a criminal act. So, you know, I I would guess that if if the if the dust settles a little bit, that he will resurface. Yeah, because he's obviously really good. I'll get yeah, you. He's out very of- good. Yeah, he's very good, and and uh, there was no no question about that. They felt blessed to have him. It was what a what a thing to have this young guy. Uh, well, not young, appropriately, you know, forty five. No, yeah, but in your first guy. year to go to the finals. No, I know. It was and pretty no question. And and from the middle of this, remember this: from the middle of January right up <clears throat> to the middle of the of the finals. They were the most successful. I yeah. won't say best, because the best team won. But yeah. they were the most successful team in the league. They won more games than anybody else. That wasn't a fluke. That, that was based on, on good basketball stuff, uh, and, and, and he was the guy that was orchestrating the whole thing. I'll go to your other wheelhouse, which is baseball, and I'll get you out of here on this. The yeah. Red Sox have let Mookie Betts go, and they've let Xander Bogarts go. Um, is this, in your opinion, an ownership decision or a management decision? Oh, I think this is uh, management following the orders of, of, of how to proceed. People are hooting down uh, Kyle Bloom, and my, my personal belief is that he is simply following. Uh, That's why he was hired. Yeah. He, shopped, he shops at the bargain basement. Uh, uh, he did it very well at, at Tampa. Uh, that uh, they, they have, you know, The Red Sox dynamics have changed dramatically in the last 20 years. Uh, remember, they are nothing more right now, in, in my opinion. They of Fenway Sports Group, and I, I uh, and they you know they own Liverpool, they own the Penguins, they mm-hmm. have Fenway Roush mm-hmm. Racing, Keselowski. They've got other stuff we don't even know about. We can't even we don't care about. Uh, and I just think that the focus on the Red Sox has, has changed, and and we're not going to do these foolish, uh, you know, quote unquote contracts with people. Um, it, it, it people are very disturbed around here, very. Well, and you know because we know that the final shoe 
is about to drop this year. Rafael Devers is on his walk here. And if they let him go, after having let Betts go and, and Bogarts go, uh, I, I think people will, will really, really, really be uh, yeah, out of their mind. Can't imagine it would end up like Baltimore, where you would look at the seats for five years. I mean, it was a great franchise, and then there was nothing but empty seats. Can't imagine that at Fenway. Maybe no, we can. can't imagine that. But uh, yeah. uh, that it would go that direction. But the tenants did drop significantly last year, uh, and uh, you know they got into that plenty of good seats available mode that, that right. they hadn't been in for thirty years. Right at times, you know, they only right. so um, it, it started. They're trending downward in that regard, and they have done nothing to placate the, the masses in the offseason. Yes, they signed Kenley Jansen. Yes, they just signed Justin Turner. They may be good moves, but they're not great moves. And by the way, remember the name Makataka Yashida. That's their new leadoff man, a left fielder from, from Japan. Okay. Uh, that, and and uh, that, that didn't exactly uh, uh, get the, the people out didn't there. Wow. Didn't, didn't wow them. Didn't wow them. We didn't have a parade. <laughs> didn't wow them. Thank so you, Bobby. They, they, all right. There we go. Thank you, Tom. Good Bob talk. Bob Ryan. Love to have him on. The quintessential American sports writer. We'll take a break. Love email and jingle when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. This, this is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser here comes Tony's mailbag, got your emails, faxes, and your notes. Here comes Tony's mailbag, gonna read some for all you folks. Those are the Jinglers from Jingle Fest 2022. That's lovely. Nigel, you want to do the Bethesda bagel ad? Got the bagel sandwiches today. A very good day. Uh, Bethesda bagels, we love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you'll be thrilled. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say, come with me, my love, to the sea, the sea of love. I want to tell you how much I love you. There's a great movie called Sea of Love with Al Pacino. Yes. Um, I think that the original song, Sea of Love, is Freddie Somebody and the somethings. I think it's Phil Phillips. And the moon glows. Phil Phillips and the moon glows, maybe? Or am I making that up? Phil Phillips. Phil Phillips. Uh, Yeah, there's a a weird name for his group, but yeah, I'll look that up. So the movie, Sea of Love, with Al Pacino and Ellen Barkin and John Goodman, is a great movie. Phenomenal. It's a great movie. Phil Phillips with The Twilight. Oh, that's okay. a call, Nigel. Okay. Yes. Well uh, done. Uh, thanks to our guests today, Brian Windhorst and Bob Ryan. Thanks to our sponsors, Indochino and Spotify. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. My thanks to Tamara Graham. Tamara has sent giant cashews and baked goods for Christmas, and I appreciate it very much. And as she says... Go Broncos. She's the world's greatest Broncos fan. Yes, she is. And they stink. Maybe only. (laughs) They stink at the moment. Thanks, Tamara. From Chris in Durham, North Carolina, it has become a tradition in my house to watch bad holiday movies. And it's a Hallmark movie or stars Mario Lopez or Melissa Joan Hart. It goes to the top of the list. So my wife fired up the Hulu (laughs) and we scrolled through the endless number of movies and landed on a Hanukkah movie. The movie starts opening with a shot of Paris and a song that leads with a guitar, and I instantly recognize a familiar voice. After a few more shots of Paris, the shot continues with a man playing a guitar 
It pans up. It is none other than Dan Byrne. He's everywhere. Himself. <laughs> he is the everywhere. The fabric of the show is amazing. If other littles are interested, the name of the movie is Menorah in the Middle. Starring Lucy DeVito. I can't give the movie a rating yet as I had to craft this email immediately after hearing the opening song. I hope your holidays are full of joy, laughter, and Johnny Walker Blue. Dan Byrne is brilliant. I he don't is. know what else we can say. Dan Byrne is brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. The song about Matt Ryan was brilliant. Oh, we took give Matt Ryan the lead. lead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's got the songs from the Mr. Tony show on his website. Now, of course... Be better Thirteen dollars and seventy-two cents. <laughs> yes, go check it it's out. The cheapest album yeah, you've ever heard it's from fantastic. Stephen Good in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Speaking of Dan Byrne, I've been impressed with Dan Byrne's music on your show for many years. Well, he's only been on for about three years. However, his song about Matt Ryan on Monday's show really hit home for me. You see, I attended Virginia Tech, and I was at the game in two thousand seven against Boston College when Matt Ryan was their quarterback. Virginia Tech was ranked number eight, and Boston College was number two. It was a cold and rainy night game on national television. Miserable, but nobody in Lane Stadium cared. Virginia Tech was up 10-0 with over two minutes, just over two minutes remaining in the game. There was about to be a party in Blacksburg. Matt Ryan ruined the party. He led BC to a last-minute victory, and all of a sudden the reality of how wet and cold we were in that stadium sunk in. <laughs> I will never forget that game and the miserable two-mile walk home. You hate pumpkins, watermelons, bananas, and squirrels. I hate Matt Ryan. I'm glad he holds the records for the biggest blown leads overall in the Super Bowl, and I'm glad Dan Byrne forever documented those failings in a song. Not that you're bitter. Uh, here's another one about this. This is from Rusty Frederick in Savannah, Georgia. Rusty. The Dan Byrne song about Matt Ryan is, of course, brilliant. However, as a long-suffering, lifelong Atlanta Falcons fan, history compels me to report that Mr. Byrne is only telling you part of the story. Yes, Matt Ryan was the quarterback on the wrong side of the biggest blown lead in Super Bowl history and in any regular season game. But did you also know that on January 20th, 2013, the Falcons led the 49ers 17-0 in the NFC Championship game. They lost 28-24. That's the biggest blown lead in the history of the NFC Championship game. Mm. And on October 26, 2014, the Falcons led the Lions 21-0 in London. They lost 22-21. That's the biggest blown lead in any NFL game played outside the United States. <laughs> I'm a big Matt Ryan fan. He's clearly the best quarterback in team history, but the Super Bowl record. The NFC... Uh, championship game record, the regular season record, and the international game record. Just call him Bobby Jones, Mr. Tony. He's accomplished the career grand slam. Uh, from Derek in Akron, you were understandably surprised when you found out Paris Saint-Germain, or PSG as people talk about mm -hmm. it, has never won the Champions League, especially with these three superstars the past couple of years. Not to mention the nearly unlimited money provided by the Qatar Sports Investment Group that owns the club. The issue seems to be found in a couple of places. They play in the French league called League One. This is the West Coast Conference of the European Soccer Leagues, and that makes PSG Gonzaga. They cruise through their leagues most years, and by the time you get to the knockout stage of Champions League in the spring, they will typically have their league in the bag, but it means they're not peaking nor prepared for the other top clubs from Europe. Plus, when Messi, Mbappe, and Neymar all play together, you have three of the ten outfield players who barely work defensively. Yeah. This leaves them exposed in those big matches against teams that they simply can't bully on talent alone. Hope this helps and love the show. It does, Derek and Akron. Um, from Tony Lutz in Redmond, Oregon. Of course the Argentinians were going nuts Sunday. They get all that Budweiser that couldn't be sold at the World Cup. <laughs> Prayers for you and hoping for a full and speedy recovery. Thank you for that. Listening to your misery with your condition, Carly Simon's lyrics come to mind because I haven't got time for the pain. I haven't got room for the pain. I haven't the need for the pain. 
from David J. He's actually David Little. He's David J. Little. Wow. Uh, hi, Tony. Playing little. the birthday game. As in Australia, we say day, month, year. My son was born 2009, 2009. So that would be... September, September 20th. 20th. Right. Yep. 2009. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's, That's a good one. That's good. From John Engelmeyer in Chocowinty. I'm not pronouncing that correctly, North Carolina. Yes, we have a golf course. The best birthday is that of my nephew who shares my name. He was born on November 11th, 2011. 11, 11, 11. Of course. Oh, that's but a good that's, one. You know, that's good, but so is 999. So is 777. You yeah, know? The ones are cleaner. Yes. From Shereem Goodlett. Good don't know if I qualify as a little since I don't catch a show every day, although I do most days. I do, however, catch PTI daily uh, via DVR and have done so from the start. The woman I'm related to by marriage thinks you and Wilbon are hilarious. Admittedly, so do I. See who that is on the phone. Anyway, I'm writing because I've yet to hear anyone claim the official number 10 birthday of the Tony Kornheiser show, to which I propose my niece, Naraya. Her date of birth is October 10th, 2010. So that's 10, 10, 10. Can you get rid of that? And I tell my father, to whom I related by birth, that she has the undisputed best birthday in our family. Also, and in closing, I am born and raised in Rochester, New York, and a second-generation Bills fan. So I take great pride in every mention of Rochester on PTI, as I now live in Northwest Florida. But that's an entirely different topic <laughs> for an entirely different show. From Joe Poknish Poknish in um, Austin, Texas. I do hope you get some relief on your back. I, too, had a very bad herniation causing shooting pain up my leg that happened on my honeymoon. The five-hour flight back mm. from Vermont was one of the most agonizing experiences of my life. I had no relief from an epidural steroid shot that made me almost pass out. The surgery I did did an amazing job relieving the pain. I hope the same for you. On a more fun note, my daughter was born on one twenty one twenty one, which is not only a palindrome, but she was born on the 21st day of the 21st year of the 21st century. Wow, which is that's pretty big. neat. That is a good one, yes. From Barry Katz in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, dear King of the Littles, Patriots lose on the worst play ever. Thanks for easing our pain, respectively, Jim Marshall, Leon Lett, Joe Pisarczyk, Mark Sanchez. <laughs> yeah, it replaces the butt fumble. Yeah, it's it the worst. Oh, it's going to be replayed forever. Yes. Um, from Abraham in Silver Spring, the satirical 1978 drama and Justice for All starring Al Pacino and Jack Warden, was set in Baltimore. While it was directed by Norman Jewison, the screenplay was in fact written by Valerie Curtin and Barry Levinson. The film received an Oscar nomination for the Best Original Screenplay. It is remembered for the scene where Pacino's character famously shouts, You're out of order! You're out of order! The whole trial is out of order! Yeah, it's not Al Pacino, but Al Pacino. Al Pacino. From... Stephen Kaplan in Alpharetta, Georgia. Happy Hanukkah. May your candle never drip and your dreidel always spin. Isn't that nice? Isn't that nice? Really, that's nice. I appreciate that. Lovely. From Grandpa Larry in Arlington. This is Larry Zebrak. This is, he went to Valley Stream North High School. He was a great high school athlete and was a basketball teammate of my campmate Warren Freistadt oh, wow. at Valley Stream North High School. He's lived in Washington for a long time. Is a really great athlete. I know it was a fabulous sports weekend, but the lead story has to be Anthony Davis out again for at least a month. <laughs> you predicted it last week. All the best with surgery. Thank you for that. Yeah, I mean, he was, he was trails yesterday. He was trails. Yes. And it was, raise I, your hand if you didn't have this one. <laughs> yes. He's out for a month. Yes. He's always out, right? He's always out, Anthony Davis. Doesn't matter how great he is. As they say, the greatest ability is availability. If you're out on your bike tight, everyone is always to wear white. Well, that's about it from me. I'd just like to say all the best for Christmas and a happy new year. Thanks, Ringo. Thanks, Ringo. <laughs> all the best. <laughs>
a picture of it You never know when you'll be back again Ain't it good, Hollywood That you took the best of me Take a little bit with you when you're gone, gone, gone. 
This is the part that your girlfriend likes. Wouldn't have it any other way. Well, you're moving mountains, but you don't know why. And you're chasing it.